Welcome to Here's What You Do, an advice podcast from an optimist, a pessimist, and a nihilist who managed to start a company together. And even that decision took a few years. I'm Steven. I've been called an optimist, but I prefer passionate. Gross. I'm Ryan. I've been called a pessimist, but I prefer pragmatic. And I'm Shane. I've been called a nihilist, but I prefer existentially grounded. As always, we'll be answering three questions submitted by you. If you'd like to submit questions to a future episode, send them on over to hwydpod at gmail.com or stop by patreon.com slash watcher. Ho, ho. And uh, today's topics are boring job and late bloomers and that one person in the group. Hey, guys. Is that your, is that your Ryan Bergara impression? Yeah. What do you think? Give me a give me a rating on that. 10 out of 10. Boom. Yeah, gotcha, Ryan. Nailed it. You nailed it. That's what he's like. Astute listeners will recognize a familiar <laughs> voice because Ooh. our little pal, Mr. Burgoos, is, uh, where is he right now? He's rock know. climbing. He's rock climbing like Tom Cruise at the beginning of Mission is Impossible he? 2. Yeah. So uh, we're bringing back, not that we're uh, in the position to bring you back. You're de- You're <laughs> delighting us with your presence once again, our good old... Head of development, Katie LeBlanc. I mean, I am your employee. You are in the position to... to Yeah, but I mean, it's really not. (laughs) Look, everyone, uh, for some reason, the last time we had you on, you told everyone to tweet at me (laughs) if they wanted you back on the show. And I was like, look, she's great (laughs) on the show. She can fill in for me at all times. Technically, Um, Shane, you are my boss. So you have that kind of power. I guess. Technically. But Katie, thank you for coming back and filling thank in for you. Ryan. No, well, thank thank you, Ryan, for not being here. Give me <laughs> a chance to talk to the kids again. No, it's it's fun. Last time was really fun. Um, it was really I fun. I learned that I talk too much, but other than that, I had a great time. No, I mean, nah. it's nice because, as I've said, I don't enjoy um, speaking too much. And when it comes to podcasts, uh, that's really all, that's what you have to do. So it's nice for me to sort of take a back seat. So hopefully you oh. and Steven will really get into yeah, it in this. Uh, I'm excited no, to no. have the banter with you, Katie. I mean, this is something this is a new that, dynamic. Yeah, new dynamic. Did, never, yeah, ever. You guys have seen. never spoken to each other. We've ever. never spoken ever. So this will be fun. Um, yeah. By the way, I wanted to, uh, in honor of Katie coming back on the podcast, read some comments from when she was on last time. Ooh. Oh boy. She was on the episode. If you didn't catch it, it's dealing with FOMO. And we're on the tube, by the way. So if you want to subscribe to our video version, oh, you can check us out on youtube.com slash watch your podcast. That's right. Check us out there. Steven, that was, that was seamless. <laughs> that Whoa. Was slick, sick. right? Yeah. And uh, that was incredible. in the comments. Slick, right? Yeah, that's me. Uh, Slicky Steve. Well, let's hear some uh, of these comments from our notoriously mean-spirited audience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't uh, very sure. unaccepting of, of new people, and yeah. uh, I'm very Absolutely. embracing myself. Give this me one some comes, This one comes from probably a pile of poop in disguise. And by the way, I did not bring up poop. The commenter did. So sure. you can mark that off on your bingo sheet, but it wasn't my fault. Hilarious that Steven had to send Katie to babysit Ryan and Shane. An intelligent decision. It was fun. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. I know uh, we considered it babysitting, but um, it's just a fun dynamic. It's a well, fun it dynamic. Very fun. And I think this is a fun dynamic, too. Look at us having fun without Ryan. Ryan's out here being like, I made a, three, a free throw this weekend. That almost, almost better than Steven's impression. 
Yeah. Not that nearly as good. He's yeah. like, I but, was uh, bunny hopping through the pea patch this weekend, and I passed, <laughs> that, that's I passed my bro the that biscuit. Is, yeah, that's closer. I buttered up the Very biscuit good. and passed it to my number one bro. He jumped for a three. It was real wet. So I'm loving this. But did it did it feel like babysitting, Katie, when you were on the podcast, no. or was it fun? No, no, or is no. Babysitting I fun? mean, I yeah, no. Well, look, I've I've had whatever that role is for like three years. So this is you know maybe the first time people are getting to like listen to it, I guess, because I'm never in the content. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But <laughs> for the most part, you know, this is us hanging out like friends. Can we so, explain yeah, that, I, by the way? What? Because Shane, you made a comment last week about leaning to the was role. Was it last week or would it, podcast-wise, was it two weeks ago? Right, right two weeks ago, yeah, because we're recording this yeah. a week before it comes out. Yes, um, Katie had made, made the note uh, off, I think off mic at some point when we were talking about the show that we should lean into our roles more because Stephen is, right. you know, we set it up as Stephen being the optimist and Ryan being the pessimist. Is that what pessimist, it is? Pessimist, yep. You don't yeah, even so. remember the role. How are you supposed to fucking lean in? Yeah, Jesus. Yes. And I am a, a you know the nihilist. Um, I'm a I'm also an optimist. Um, well, see, that's the argument in a nihilist argument, way. You guys, uh, th- that's the argument you, you know, guys always you know make, I mean? which is like, well, I'm not just this. I'm this too. And I'm like, yeah, that's all great. But you pitched this podcast to me, and yeah. this is the one. That well, we that's tell. just to get people in the door. They go yeah, get them in Ooh, there. Three folks who sound different. <laughs> Well, I wonder what that's all about. And then they come in and they hear our wonderful stories about Terminator 2 and how funny we think it is when Vision turns gray and the Avengers, stuff like that. That's not not it. That's that's what they stay for. No, that's not. No. They stay for your lovable banter and your funny jokes and your mustaches, but not the not the vision to not the vision talk. Yes. For people who are are listening to this, you can't hear my mustache, but I got to say it's back. and it's better than ever. Watch your, I, watch your podcast, YouTube. Yeah, it's I, fun. I birthed it this morning. I had a pretty <laughs> burly beard going on, and I got tired of it. And uh, I gave birth to yet another wonderful mustache. I think this is my seventh mustache of quarantine. So, wow. wow. <laughs> feeling good. Wow. Speaking of birthing, I'll do one more comment. Oh, uh, yeah. That Laura Chisnall birthed to the YouTube podcast uh, on YouTube. She says... Uh, Katie's advice was brilliant. I think having a guest every so often works really well and can offer advice that the three of you might not have considered. How do you respond to that, Katie? Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. It's great to be told you're brilliant. I, Lena, love that for me. I can only say thank you to my 30 change years of growing up as a, as a lady to give me a different perspective than you guys. You know, I'm glad I can bring something else to the table. Hmm. I agree. You did bring a lot more to the table and you had some good <laughs> insights and I was happy uh, that someone else was chatting and, and weighing in. Um, ideally, we would be able to record this all in, in, at the Watcher office and invite people and yeah. have mm-hmm. different perspectives more often because uh, as we do lean into the role more, it becomes apparent that our perspectives are incredibly limited. Uh, I can mm-hmm. tell you a lot of things about growing up in Schaumburg, Illinois, but... Um, mm-hmm. Other than that. <laughs> Mason Ohio over here. Yeah, not a lot. By the way, I read that comment as, Katie, good luck doing better than that because uh, you're true. back on the pod yeah. and you got to live up to that expectation. I don't, oh, I don't want that on myself, so good luck. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know that I can because you're back and, you know, it's easy, Oof. you know, when, when it was just Ryan and Shane to, to be the star. But with you here, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
Thank you. I do want to challenge Katie one more time, if oh. I may. You want us to lean into our roles. Yeah. What is your role, Katie? What are you? Are you a oh. are you a pessimist, optimist, nihilist, or are you something different? Yeah. No. I. I mean, I've thought about it. Uh, I feel like my answer is sort of cheap, um, which sucks. I wish I could have a more fun answer. Probably a realist. I think I used to be an optimist. Definitely. Like my mom's an optimist, and um, my dad is a heavy pessimist. Uh, he'd agree with that. I think I used to be a lot more optimistic, but uh, honestly, being a producer sort of ruined that for me. And so you can't go doomsday because then you never want to get anything done and you'll never believe anything can work out. But you also never want to assume the best in people because then you're not prepared and you'll never be prepared when things go wrong. So it's really just always saying, okay, I think we have a good shot at this, but let me really make sure that if we don't, it'll be okay. And uh, yeah, that's sort of how I approach my life. That's, like a, that's a fourth perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, Katie, um, I yeah. just want, I'm gonna be really uh, pushing you to lean into that role, okay? <laughs> you know, I'll try to take your notes. This is uh, like, you know, my great. second podcast ever. Why don't we get into this, uh, here's what you do stuff. I'll start us off with the first question, and here we go. Uh, it says, hi, Steven, Ryan, and Shane. Hope you are all staying safe and sane. I would like to remain anonymous. So if you're reading this out loud, feel free to give me a wacky name. All right, so anonymous, I'm going to just give you a fun name. Uh, your name is going to be called Ditto. I work for a pretty mundane job in marketing for a small tech company. We've all been working from home for the past couple of months, and I spend my days writing content for a product I don't really give a hoot about. But the thing is, I enjoy the facets of the job itself, but don't really like the product I'm marketing, nor do I have any first-hand knowledge of the subject. Since this is my first job, I'd like to learn everything I can before I do move on. Any advice on how to make a pretty boring subject more interesting? By the way, love your podcast and your channel. It's my dose of sunshine for the day. Cats, although rarely, can be allergic to humans too. Ditto. Oh. Aww. Sending lots of love from India, Ditto says. So uh, I'll just start, and I chose this question because I wanted to hear what you both had to say about it. Um, personally, I'm the kind of person, actually, who just gets aggressively passionate about everything that I do and borderline obsessive. And so my advice may not be the best for you. Um, it probably is going to be very specific to people who are like me. But typically for me for this, um, I would just say like really focus and obsess about the things that you do care about. And um, just make sure that the thing that you're marketing isn't like uh, immoral in, in any way or like <laughs> uh, reflect your values properly. But if it's okay, if everything's okay, I would just say like really just dig into the details and like know that this is kind of um, your rite of passage. I, I will give an, an example. When I went to college, I went into engineering and I think I shared this about my lack of passion for engineering. But one thing I did really always love about it was the idea of problem solving. And I never like kind of thought, well, I'm gonna become an engineer one day and like solve um, Tide Pods, which is what I did. I really dug into the idea of problem solving and that, Sounds really dumb, but I just focused on that. And I'm, I'm very good at like honing in my focus onto one thing and just not letting go. And after I quit my job and went into YouTube, I actually found a product or a job that I was very passionate about, 
but I use the same skills and learnings that I had in engineering and apply them to my new job. And so if you actually look at my um, career, especially with the show I created, Worth It, over at uh, the old feed, it's a very <laughs> uh, problem-solving kind of show. In fact, um, it's it could not have been even more engineered if it was possible. It's literally <laughs> three price points, you go to three places, it's very format driven, um, and it's to solve the problem of is this item worth it or not for its given price point. So um, that's how you kind of blend your your life together, and you just know that the things that you're learning right now will be applied to your future. Um, don't worry about that; it'll all come together. But for now, just focus on what you love. That's great. That's real sweet. Hmm. Yeah, I think essentially I agree. I you know I I think you know when you've been in like debate team and they've been like hey some people get to argue this side and you have to argue this side and you're like but i agree with that side yeah um but you have to sit there and kind of construct an argument against what you think anyway for this exercise well, you can it. double down and you can you can agree with me that's okay yeah like i no no no. i'm saying like that as almost how i kind of see this is like okay if you're doing something that you think is a little boring there is strength in saying okay well how do I make this interesting to somebody like me? Because that's essentially the job, right? It's marketing. So it's like how, if I'm able to convince myself this is interesting, well, then I've gone above and beyond for this job because I'm exactly the person that they're trying to reach because I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> um, so the good news is if you can crack that, you've become an amazing marketer. Because <laughs> um, that is the problem with marketing is making people give a shit. Uh, that is the consummate problem with it because people don't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of an amazing challenge to have, uh, if not a difficult one. Um, and I also think that, like, you know, in Stephen's example, where, you know, he essentially wasn't sure if he really wanted to be doing this thing and ended up changing careers dramatically. Part of you having that history makes you 10 times more interesting of a person in this job. And it makes your approach different. It makes your background different. It makes you different than most all of your peers. And so I do think if this is something where it's like, oh, okay, you don't see yourself there forever or you expect to change at some point, by really becoming good or having a background in this thing, you're setting yourself up to have a new perspective in whatever else you go on to do that's gonna make you more valuable and better, you know, at, at your other endeavors later in life. So there's not wasted time, I don't think, if, wow. if you're trying and you're learning. Katie, you're coming out hot with the brilliant advice. I got to say, you you already lived up to it right there. It's pretty good. There you go. Well, therapy. <laughs> uh, Shane, you got a funny look on your face. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because they say they found they find facets of the job enjoyable, mm -hmm. but they don't like the product they're marketing. You know, I'd say just, yeah, like uh, echoing you guys, just really lean into the facets, entertain yourself, have fun. Don't do that to the degree that it will get you fired. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's not your dream job, then maybe there's room to play a little bit. Maybe you could push the envelope. Um, there's things I've had boring jobs, boring jobs are, um, I think very important because it helps you figure out what you want to do. hundred percent agree. Bad jobs and boring jobs. I think I've tried to count it all up at some point. I think I've had in my life, like 20 to 30 jobs. 
starting That's a lot at a, of jobs. It's probably close to 20. I think, I don't know. I'd have to add it all up. I started working when I was 13. I worked at a hot dog stand. Uh, and then I just, my, you know, I just kept working. What do you do there? Were you the cashier? Were you the hot dog boy? Were you? I was a hot dog boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Excellent. I was a hot dog okay. boy. Uh, I cleaned out the nacho cheese pump. Um, oh. Which, a lot of That's ball rough. bearings in that thing. It's it's more complicated than you think. You're, you know, you're just pumping out nacho cheese, so you don't think about all the the machinery and engineering that goes into that. Well, Stephen, you probably think I might about be. it. Yeah, yeah, I think about it all the time. I, yeah. I sure don't. Um, just thinking about that cheese. But one thing I've also picked up, and this is maybe tangential advice, but you know, Stephen and Katie really covered the meat of the question. So I'll say this: <laughs> even with your boring job, try to realize that it is valuable in some way and that someday you you will probably look back on it fondly at least in a well that was an experience that i had you'll probably be thankful for it i mean assuming you're not like you know killing people on death row <laughs> something that in retrospect you might be like well that wasn't fun you know <laughs> um but i've had a lot of jobs that uh, you know are otherwise less than thrilling really not the most you know uh sexy scintillating jobs in the world mm -hmm. um but i never i never tried to view it as like well this is gonna be another bad day at a boring job because even mm -hmm. you know you can commiserate with friends uh you've got a life outside of the job even if it's very little i remember there was a, a period where i was working like two jobs uh and yet i remember the I remember it fondly because I would come home and, and watch Cheers. Uh, that was that was the period of my life where I was like, I just remember being exhausted every night when I got home at like 10 p.m. and I'd have to wake up at, you know, seven to go to work the next morning at my other job. Um, but the 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 brutality of the schedule is still something I'm able to reflect upon in a fun way. Uh, you just have to find ways to make your life cozy however you can uh, and uh, value whatever you do. I bet like I, I've always talked about how like even when I was working at Starbucks and like hauling trash bags in like negative 10 degree weather, it would be like sleeting and snowing. And there was a, a train that uh, went right by the Starbucks. And it was just like, I remember thinking like, well, this is miserable. You know, I'm out here by the dumpsters hauling these wet bags of trash, these freezing wet bags of trash. There's a train going by. But then I just sort of, I was like, well, what if this is great? What if this is uh, really something to to reflect fondly upon and i do it's like a, it's just like how f and granted look <laughs> america's got its problems we shouldn't have to work as hard as we do capitalism sure. is poison yep. and it's killing yep. everybody but uh there is some value in a good day's work uh you can take pride in the work you do even if it's boring um and capitalism is poison uh i had that's i had i had i had trash bag moment it's great. What, what was yeah. your trash bag moment? Uh, very, it was almost as polar opposite to yours as possible. So instead of cold Chicago Starbucks trash, it was hot Central Florida burrito trash. Oh, mm, yeah. oh yes. God. Oh, no. Yeah. Yep. That sounds 10 times worse. Sorry, Shane. <laughs> I do, well, I, well to, to be fair, I did have a hot trash, too, because I did... Uh, 
and I can point to this because I, I worked at a baseball stadium and would have to haul the garbage bags mm. down at the end of the game when mm. like I'd be working, I'd have worked for like eight hours and then would be sweating and hauling these bags. And they were always full of uh, uh, sauerkraut. And I never liked Ooh. sauerkraut until I was hauling those trash bags and smelling it as I tossed it into the dumpster. And I remember thinking, I gotta give that a try. And ever <laughs> since then, I've, I've loved sauerkraut. Wow, okay. that's the Didn't opposite that I would expect from most people. Well, I'm a bit of a weirdo. Yeah, well, yeah. Never, you've never billed as otherwise. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent on the value of having spent any experience in like sort of, um, you know, regimented hourly work. Yeah, um, because it I makes think you it, a better human, I think. I think yeah. there's something to be said about the virtue of discipline, which yeah. is something mm -hmm. that we may or may not be uh, in this culture that we are in right now with instant gratification, uh, literally Amazon now, all that good stuff. Um, you know, having patience in a boring job is something that you can grow to uh, grow in your virtues. So learn to love it. I also... And then, I yeah, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. What were you gonna say there? No, I just I also like um, the point just about like finding things to smile about and sort of you know the mm -hmm. mun mundane because like yeah I I used to work I worked for a while at Chipotle, um, it was great, no complaints. Uh, it was it was a it was a fun job. I had in what about college. the E. coli? Uh, the post it was pre pre E. coli. Okay, um, pre coli. Pre, pre coli. Yeah, it was a great job. I love that job. I got free Chipotle. Um, yeah. It was, yeah. It yeah was that's <laughs> free, free food has surprisingly been, as I, oh. I discussed recently about how when I worked at a movie theater, I would often eat uh, people's leftover popcorn. But same, working at the baseball stadium, it was hot dogs and popcorn all summer long, baby. Yeah. At the no, end of every summer, I was a, a little, <laughs> a little chubbier than the the top of the summer. I'll tell you that. No, that that job fed me and my friends for like three years. It like you know I would make my own burrito, and I was just a cashier, so I wasn't even working the line. But I made my own food and like you know experimenting with different stuff mm. and you know playing around, like you know, just finding little ways to make yourself happy. And, you know, because it, it was. While being a totally fine job, of course, it was not mentally taxing. There was nothing like, you know, I wasn't, I was not running 100% while I was there. So just finding little ways to smile and make people smile when they interacted with me. And, you know, it's just life it's lessons. Nice. Yeah. Also, like in, in, I feel like in uh, service industry jobs like that or like a, a restaurant, particularly like mm -hmm. fast casual kind of places or like Starbucks, you eventually, like hit a groove where it's just like you never have any issues and you're mostly just really good at doing whatever you have to do so it's mm -hmm. like yeah it's kind of fun i don't know i mean yeah. it's definitely there's like the existential like oh boy i want to move on and get out of here but uh it's fun it's fun while it lasts anyway i think yeah. the world is happy yeah. when when you do things excellently no matter what it is yeah i'm happy That's when i get a great burrito from chipotle i'll tell you that mm, me too Absolutely. What a way to end that question. Yeah. All right. This is a great <laughs> answer. All right. Uh, who wants to go next? Shane? Yes, I'll go. This is from Sierra. Hey, guys, my name is Sierra. You can use my name or come up with something cool. I don't care. Who needs to come up with something cool when your name is already cool? That's what I'm going to say. That's a nice compliment. Sierra with a C. Yeah. C-I-E-R-R-A-H. It's a cool name. Whoa. Yeah. 
I went, but I, by the way, you know, before we get into this, I got tacos this weekend mm-hmm. and I picked them up and the person at the window said, Shane. And I said, that's me. And I went to grab it. And then some lady said, I think that's mine. And I said, no, it's not because my name was on it. And she said, I'm Shane. And I was like, <laughs> well, you're not me. And I looked and I said my full name on it. I was like, this is me. And she was like, your name is also Shane? I was like, yes. Very, a very strange occurrence. One, I don't really run into too many Shanes in public anyway. Right. And two, there's a lady Shane. I've, I've met a few in my day, but they're mm. pretty. Have you? Yeah, I'm they're not. out there. Me neither. Um, Never met a lady Shane. Well, I would. It is definitely a thing. I would point to the uh, short-lived. I believe it was an NBC series starring Natasha Hentridge, Henstridge called "She Spies," and one of the spies was uh, a lady named Shane. And I was. Um, I assume it was your food. Yes, it was. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Some other rotten Shane out there trying to steal my tacos. Hmm. I get the feeling her tone comes from probably a lot of people doubting that that's her name. That's probably why she was like probably. aggressive about it. And I mean, I am also fairly incredulous. Like if I if I were somewhere and someone called Shane and someone else took the food, I'd be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What yeah. are you doing? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, guys, my name is Sarah and I'm 31 years old. I could use some advice on how to not feel inadequate for or left behind in my 30s. I've been feeling like a late bloomer in a lot of aspects of my life, and it's hard not to feel like I'm never going to catch up to my peers. I'm going back to school in a few weeks for mass communications and media studies with a minor in film, but even that makes me nervous because it worries me a bit to think about whether or not it's even worth my time or if it'll be too late for me to do the things I want to do. I feel like I already wasted a lot of my life in school for the wrong career, married and divorced before I turned 30, and no real direction of what I should be doing right now. It's hard not to compare yourself to friends who are already established in their careers and are in solid relationships. The worst comparison is to my 24-year-old brother who has basically done everything by the books and is killing it in life. Brothers. She didn't say that. I said that. My question (laughs) is, have you ever felt like this in your 30s or later years? And how were you able to navigate those thoughts and feelings? You guys are basically living my dream career. Please keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sierra. Now, look. Sierra. Thank you, thank you, Sierra. I forgot that Katie taught us to thank, thank them. Um, did uh, I do that? Yeah, you thanked, you thanked them. Oh wait, no, Lauren did that in the. Oh, other... it was Lauren on the Watch Sorry. Weekly. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm well, not just, just confusing. We're just not... the same people. Okay. Sure. I'm not just confusing Crap. women. I'm. Yeah, all women are the same to you guys. That's <laughs> no. wow. I get why I'm a new perspective here. I'm just remembering <laughs> when someone who wasn't one of the three of us taught us the value of being gracious. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's quarantine, and everyone's face on is the same on Zoom to me. Uh huh. Uh huh. My point is, uh, I don't have a point. I should answer the question. Uh, oh, I was going to say, uh, no, you guys both aren't over the age of 30, are you? I really? is not. I'm flattered you don't know how old I am. I don't know how old you are. I'm, uh, I'm 31. I'm turning 32 this month. Okay, congrats. Thanks. 32 is a big age. Uh, one year before L'Age du Christ. Uh, um, I'm 30. <laughs> what? What? I'm 30. I'm 34. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephen, how old are you? 
I'm uh, 29. 29. Uh, I, here's what, here's the thing. Uh, when I, when I proposed, we do this question, Katie, you raised some concern thinking, well, Shane, you're the only one who's deep into your thirties. I, I said no such thing. You said I said, deep? this is nope. I didn't say you deep. said you're I said, flying past your thirties before you none know of it. That. Yeah. None of this is true. What are you getting at? Nope. Shane? I, um, I, I said, this is great to read this question while Ryan's gone because two of us are actually going to be able to say we're also in our 30s oh was that your point was that your yeah point? that was the point i was trying to make i was like <laughs> i was uh, for some reason me. i thought uh, i guess i thought lauren had said that i don't know you kept stopping me and being like, well, it's, it's just about <laughs> no, film. Just it's it not good. about our 30s it's just about film and i was like no it's i think it's great i think this is a great question to answer <laughs> i was I like shut it. up shut up shut up <laughs> and by the way in my 30s it, by midwest standards i'm pretty much in my 30s because People I mean, there, by Midwest standards, you're in they your start, 50s. Yeah. yeah. They started <laughs> making say, babies pretty young, and that includes a lot on, of my friends. Based on knowing you, you're, you've been middle-aged since I've known you, so you count. Um, I, I think count. my overall point here is that 30, the, the 30 threshold is not really important here, um, despite what this person is saying. Obviously, it feels like a milestone, but these are, uh, above all else, I'd like to stress that these are these milestones that people stress out about when they're like, it's my 30th birthday. What's going to happen? Um, these are nonsense constructs. Uh, mine came and went without, like I didn't give a shit at all. So look at this, a real being a real nihilist about you lean into the role. I, <laughs> I know right. I gave you some, I, I, um, I gave you some eyebrows when you did. Uh, and I, yeah, I've had friends, uh, younger friends, who are like, oh, I'm going to be hitting that 30. I'm like, great. You know, it's after that 31 and 32, et cetera. Uh, my overall point addressing the question specifically, um, and we touched on this a, a few weeks ago with a question that was uh, sort of about FOMO, I think. Um, but comparison is is a bad thing. It's a it's a thing that a lot of people can't avoid. Uh, it's tough. It's a it's a tough thing. It's it's it's. I think how a lot of people try to gauge how they're doing in their lives because it's it's a very concrete way to do that. You can look at other people who maybe you grew up with or uh, siblings very easy because it's like, well, you know, they're from my family. Why are why are they at this point in their life and I'm not? Well, because you're different people. Uh, people move at different paces. People uh, focus on different things in their life. People have different circumstances. People face different adversities. Um, uh, so, and the fact that you're 30 and maybe have not accomplished all the things you want to, who gives a shit? You know, that's, I think that's what I'm going to tell you. you. You shouldn't, 30 is incredibly young. <laughs> like, I mm -hmm. don't know. Uh the the idea that you're kicking yourself now for for turning over a new leaf or trying to uh, start something is uh, imagine when you're 60 years old if 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 you if you want to throw in the towel now uh, and resign yourself to a life of uh, failure and just I don't I don't know what you would do if like what's the alternative to just uh, crawl under a rock. Um, go for it, do it. 
uh, there's probably a, just do a quick Google search for some of those stories about those like 115 year old women who get their bachelor's degrees uh, from community college. They're doing it. You know, they're drinking a glass of wine every morning and somehow staying <laughs> old and alive. Uh, and uh, they're the inspiration you need. You will look back at age 30 and think you're a lunatic for not uh, uh, being proactive about something or or feeling like you're you're old. Because uh, I, I swear to God, I remember being like 25 years old and being like, I can't believe it. We're adults now. This is it. We finished college and now we've been out of college for like three to five years and we're ready to retire. Um, <laughs> I have plenty of friends who have houses and families, etc. And I live in L.A. And um, sure, I, I've got a great job. I get to make little puppets and shoot fun things with my friends. Um, but it's a lot of work and I won't own a home till I'm 73. Mm-hmm. Uh and of course, I'm jealous of my friends who have homes. Um, everybody's life, uh, you know, they can point to things they're thrilled about. But I don't think there's anyone out there who's like looks at their life and is like, everything is perfect. Wow, I nailed it. Oh, I'm 24 and I've I've done this. So uh, I win. I think I've talked for a long time, but I think I've touched on what I want to touch on. And I cede the floor. <laughs> no, I think you made a lot of great points i think you know nihilism serves us well here to you know no what why you're not gonna give up now i mean you she did a tremendously commendable thing which is to identify a problem say i'm not interested in this i want to change course and yeah it's incredible yeah so many people don't so many people just keep their head down and they're like okay i'll just do this forever and then they just stay unhappy you you made the bolder choice to actually do something about it and that is incredible and so many people would look at you doing that and go i wish i was brave enough yes there are people and, i mean you don't know like in the same way that like you don't know other people's uh the things they're dissatisfied with there's people who probably look to you and think wow that person's got a lot going on that i wish i could do myself because at the same time, people who maybe settled down when they were like 22 or something, they're probably looking at you and being like, wow, that's that's fun. Look at, yeah, look at her wow. go. I'd, I'd love to go back to school. I'd love yeah. to take a part in, in film or do something cool like that. And and the, I think the other thing to remember, too, which gets lost, I, I think, a lot in comparison culture, is that not everybody's afforded the same opportunities. It's not just that... Um, you know, you look around and everybody's different. Everybody is different, but it's also the circumstances you're in, you know, like just your, so your brother is, you know, has this perceived amazing career, but or life career. Uh, and you guys came from, you know, the same household. So that's, you know, it's easy for you to go, well, if he did it, then what the fuck's wrong with me? But like, you're different people. You may have met people at different times. Things may have clicked differently for you. you. He may have had a teacher who took an interest in him and guided him on a path that you didn't have. And then outside of Sierra's specific situation, it's so easy to look at somebody and go, wow, they had all that and not know that their parents gave them a ton of money and not know that they were groomed towards that career from an early age. So they've been practicing for a lot longer than you. Like it's easy to forget that like, we're not all starting on a level playing field. So comparing yourself uh, to other people it really serves you not at all because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're but but you, you also can't look at that and say, well, I'm not on an even playing field. So, you know, fuck the world. 
because it's unfair. You just take the hand you're dealt and, and you do what makes you happy within that. And that might mean that you're going to be in a different stratified place than other people you look at. But if you're happy and doing what you want, contributing to the world in a positive way, then there's not much point at worrying about anything else, I think. I'll jump in here as the non-30-year-old. But Stephen, at the same time, I'd like to hear your opinion on this because you're a good example of someone who, I mean, you did this when you were a little bit younger, but you you sort of bailed on what you were doing and kind of mm-hmm. started over. For Call sure. me old, Shane? Yes. Yeah, the youngest among us, old. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> well, whoa, you're really whoa, selling don't, this. Don't, don't categorize me in you guys' stratosphere. I'm under my <laughs> 30s, guys. I'm still young. Yeah. I got time. Yeah. No, Shane and I are gasping over here. Yeah. yeah. You guys just catching your breath while I run circles Barely. around you. Basically. Um, no, I... I, I kid, of course. I definitely, look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one of my life goals when I was like 18, get married by 23 and have a kid by 25. This was my goal. Uh, and I wanted to have, you know, a house by a lot of my, uh, by the way, a lot of my friends back in Ohio, they own houses. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's great. They own property. What's that like? I don't know. I feel very I mean, behind. Uh, but Stephen, oh. to get the, just so we're, oh, yeah, we're clear, ahead. you did get married. You did have a child, and you just haven't seen them since then, right? Right, right. Yeah, they're yeah. um <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I I have come to like because you know it was a goal I had when I was younger, and I um I was in a long relationship um back in Ohio and that ended and it, it was devastating cuz I was like oh my god I got to start all over and this sucks but you know what is um the thing that has kind of brought me through it is all of those experiences that I had between then and now have shaped me into a wonderfully unique valid person and I'm sure all the things that have happened to you you know choosing the quote unquote wrong career getting married and divorced you know all these things that you've been through are making you into the incredible person that you are. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're probably, I, I mean, I hope you are a more, a, a more compassionate person, somebody who's more understanding, more patient, more disciplined. Um, and your brother, while by the book has accomplished a lot on paper, is that really important? And, and I do kind of side with the nihilist approach here. You know, we come to this earth with nothing and we leave with nothing, right? Like, at the end of the day, who cares how much money you make, right? It's not, there's the, no leaderboard for real. The listeners um, can't see it right now, but I am raising the roof. He, uh, he has risen the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he, he has risen the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got to say, like, what is going to make you um, happy on this earth? And I think that's something that I would maybe, maybe search more for. Like, what is the thing that's going to make you feel fulfilled and have purpose? Um, I mean, at the I, same time, she might not know uh, yeah, explicitly, but it's it sounds like she's sort of trying to get to the bottom of it, and that's great, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And you definitely should. That's what I spend my life doing. I try to I try to find out why I'm. I even started a company. I don't know why sometimes, yeah. but hey, we're I mean, on this journey. I'm, I'm still figuring it out. Like, yeah, we I, all are. I didn't, you know, when I was in high school and dreaming of things that I could do as a career. 
You know, I was watching Comedy Central and Cartoon Network all the time. That's what I wanted to do. Internet videos weren't a thing yet. I didn't think that that's what I was going to be spending my whole career doing. And then I went to college and got super into improv comedy. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to do this forever. And you know what? That's a real tough career path. Real bubble <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Real, real, <laughs> They're real all going bankrupt. One. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a tough one that, you know, many of my friends and, and you know, many performers would, would tell you. Um, and also, I was not good at it enough to make a life choice based off of it. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of just followed the things that made me happy as they came. So, but didn't you it, didn't you meet your husband through improv? I did. We did improv together in college, and that's how we met. Did you guys improv at a wedding? Oh God, that would have been terrible. We were <laughs> practice. That would have been real bad. That would have been so bad. Um, I would have liked to see that. Uh, you would have been the only one. Um, yeah, no, but, but, and, and even that, like, you know, she mentioned getting divorced. You know, I, I'm married and have been uh, in a relationship with my now husband since, well, it, it started in 2008, so a long time. But even our relationship was inconsistent. We broke up, we got back together, we broke up, we fought. Uh, you know, we, it was wildly cause we met in college and we were both kind of pieces of shit when we met. And, uh, so it took a lot of growth and, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, we worked, but we could have just as easily not worked. When you guys and met, you, were you like, Hey, you're a piece of shit. And he was like, you seem like a piece of shit too. <laughs> you seem like a piece of shit too. Let's I don't know do why this. I gave him a deep Southern accent. <laughs> I, he had more of one when we met. He's lost it. Um, yeah, no, I just, I guess what I'm saying is it could have just as easily not worked out. Divorce is not something I've ever dealt with, but what I do know is it's an incredibly difficult thing, emotionally, financially, everything, everything about it. And that kind of decision also takes bravery to identify that you're in a relationship that isn't working for you, you know, you guys and deciding to part ways. And so you seem like a person who is capable of making hard decisions. And so I would honestly have a lot of faith that where you are right now is because you're able to identify things that aren't making you happy, that things that could be better. And, you know, I really admire someone who can change when they're, when they're unhappy because a lot of people can't. And as a quick addendum, you know, talk to your brother. Your brother probably is rooting for you. I mean, absolutely. I don't know what your family situation is, but it sounds like you might feel, uh, you know, inadequate compared to him. But I'm sure he's pulling for you, you know. And you'd, you'd <laughs> probably be amazed, too, especially you're the older sister. You'd be amazed, I'm sure, to hear what he thinks of you. Yeah, he probably like, looks up to you. He probably looks up to you. He probably there's probably a list of things that he wishes he could be more like you. And you just don't know that. And and so, you know, it it would probably be a very nice thing to talk about it good advice oh. good advice all around yeah, Steve, you you know, shane shane really good job on that one i'm fucking nailing it this week you yeah. nailed it i was gonna add one more thing but yeah, yeah. do yeah. no steven come steven come on steven come on yeah uh, what you got I'll, i was just gonna say you know the at the very end here it says you guys are basically leaving my dream career um you know i tried to make this a career back in 2012 I tried to make my own YouTube channel. It failed. Uh, ended up at BuzzFeed. And guess what? 
I did not realize, but when I got to BuzzFeed, that was actually my dream job. It was not starting my own channel. It was going and working with a bunch of people and being really creative together. And so you'll find your dream career um, down the line and it may not be what you expect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I'd never heard of BuzzFeed before. I didn't know what they were. And then I got I there, don't... I was like, wow, this is cool. Jen but Madrillo, also this, you're this my dream friend. career, it just didn't happen overnight. I feel like we all, in the same way that this person is like going to film school now or like trying to explore more of their passions, I think that kind of uh, curiosity or like exploration is what led to me working on stuff on my own that eventually sort of paved the way for me to get a job at BuzzFeed, et cetera, et cetera, become, uh, you know, frankly, one of the leading paranormal investigators on the internet, uh, which is perfect. Because uh, when I graduated high school, I said, I'm going to be an internet ghost hunter one day. And Ryan Look said, I'm going to start a company. Look at the numbers. And <laughs> vacation. Look at the numbers. Look at the the numbers. numbers don't lie, folks. Numbers don't lie. <sighs> biggest ghost hunters. Are you guys the biggest ghost hunters on Earth? On the tube, at least. On the tube. I think Zach Baggins is real tall too, though. I wonder how tall oh, he damn. is. I'm gonna is look he? it up. Fuck, look it up, because he won't right. be able to say that. The weird thing is, is I have no idea who any of these other people are, because I watch no other supernatural content. Because uh, oh, I can't stand it. Now. We've that's gone too far. Let's move Zach on Baggins to our right. last question. Zach Baggins is okay. six foot, six feet tall. So I nice. am. The, so you, you are yep. the biggest ghost hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> muscle wise, he's probably got yeah, six hundred sure. pounds on me, but. <laughs> Uh, defamatory. Yeah. All right. Hey. My question. Uh, guys, I'm in a really sticky situation. For context, I live in rural Ireland and am meant to be starting my first year uni. You'd say college. Love it when people open. say uni. I'll just chime in yeah, and say that. Me too. That's good. Yeah, it is good. Uh, my, problem, my problem is that there's a girl in my friend group that I really despise. There's eight of us in total, so it's easy enough to stay clear of her but moving to uni was meant to be the perfect time to cut to be able to cut all ties. It's safe for us here in Ireland to be meeting up outdoors and even indoors, and I had my friends over for camping a while ago. She didn't show, and it was the first time I felt comfortable in my friend group, as well as the fact that my friend group didn't split into two separate groups as it usually would. I want to go camping again with my friends because it would be such fun, but I don't want to invite her, but at the same time don't want to be excluding someone. For context, the problem I have with her is that she can be very judgmental to the point of slut shaming, as well as having homophobic and racist views. I recently had two friends in said group come out to me, and one, a newer friend, is oblivious to her views, as she has been less outspoken in the recent year. I'm at a loss of what to do because I hate confrontation and don't want to start any drama, but I'm frankly uncomfortable with her. Is it mean to exclude her because who knows if we'll get to start uni and make new friends anytime soon? I Ireland has the longest running television program in the world. The Late Late Toy Show has been running since 1961. Hope you all stay safe and wish the best. From Anonymous. You got to make up a name. It's Katie. It's the rule. Fine. Uh, Jeanette Shortlocker. Whoa. That's a good one. Yeah. So that's I from Jeanette. Big fan. Um, so I chose this because, uh, you know, I think it's a very relatable common thing to have sort of a friend group that coalesces and to value the group a lot, but to figure out over time that maybe somebody in it, you know, doesn't share your ideals or values and to sort of not know what to do when that comes up. And 
sort of bigger than this person's question, I also think something that's sort of going on right now is that a lot of people are realizing that they have family or friends or people that they're close to in some capacity that maybe are not as woke as they could be and are maybe resistant to having conversations that they should be having or, or you know, seeing things uh, in a more progressive light, especially with a lot of what's been going on this year. Um, and so it's a really tough thing, I think, to have somebody that you're close to have views that you can't support morally. And, uh, and you know, the, with this person, you know, it's easier in the sense that it doesn't sound like she's very close to this person. So if she could just cut her out of her life, it sounds like she'd be happy enough. Um, and for a lot of people, that that is a tougher choice. So I wanted to talk about it because, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a really difficult situation to be in. And, you know, I think if it were me with this particular group of friends, you know, look, I think if you were just disagreeing over like, you know, liking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches versus you know, peanut butter and fluff sandwiches, I'd just tell you to like get over it and, you know, make peace for the sake of the group because, you know, it's a group of friends and you like everybody else, so whatever. But racist, homophobic views are not something to just kind of ignore and push aside, especially if you've got friends in the group who literally could be really negatively affected by that. Um, you know, and, and there's a difference too, if this person made a joke that they weren't aware of the ramifications of that could maybe be explained to them or you could help them sort of work through something. Or if this person holds sincere, you know, sincerely racist or homophobic views that aren't, that go beyond just ignorance that are, that are you know, rooted in something deeper. Um, and if it's the latter, I, you know, I would suggest talking to other friends and seeing if they're having similar impressions of this person. And, you know, if that's the case, you know, I, I, I do think it would be worth finding other friends. You know, that's, that's harsh, but you can't allow yourself and your friends to be influenced by somebody who isn't open to recognizing their humanity. <laughs> Uh, and that's obviously the biggest and most dramatic uh, that that could go. If this person has maybe made an off-color joke or something and is just ignorant of the ramifications of that joke, don't know where its origins are, don't know where it came from, then maybe try the softer approach first. Try sitting with them one-on-one -on -one and just being like, hey, so, you know, we've been friends for a while and I've noticed that you've said a couple of things and I've just, you know, they've been offensive to me or they've hurt me. And I just wanted to see what you meant by them and sort of let them explain themselves. And if they were just like, oh, I didn't, it was just a joke, then sort of talk to them. Tell them why it's not just a joke. Tell them why it could hurt people. And without outing anybody in your group, tell them that, you know, you know, people that may have been hurt by that um, and see if they come around because, you're you know, that would be giving them a chance to sort of realize that they maybe were on the other side of things when they didn't realize that they were. And it gives them a chance to have discourse and maybe see things differently. And, you know, and if they don't, well, you know, yeah, you're going to uni. Cut ties. Sorry. Are they, going to, uni, are they going to uni with the person? Uh, I think she was saying that they're going to uni and that was going to sort of break up the friend group. So she wasn't oh, worried about it. I see. But because... Um, because like it's being delayed, mm -hmm. yeah. she oh, she's sure. sort of still hanging out with this group, and she's having a tough time. Right, with it. and also camping. 
And yeah, and specifically, she's got this last thing. She wants to have another camping trip with this group of friends. She'd just as soon not invite this person. But obviously, that would probably be seen as a bit harsh by everybody. So, I don't know. That's my first blush at it. So, if do you guys have more? Yeah, my, I mean, I would, I would talk to them. I don't know if it's talking to them with uh, other friends to make it seem like it's not, you know, a one-on-one thing. But I guess you also don't want to... I don't know. It's very situational. I would definitely talk to them and then, you know, try to communicate the weight of things. You know, some people are very flippant with things. Also, you know, their empathy center uh, evolves a little slower than others. Uh, Some people are not intentionally malicious when they're younger. They just don't realize, uh, you know, the impact of certain things. And uh, I think people are capable of of growing and learning, uh, which is great especially young people. Um, But, uh, you know, at a certain point, it's not your responsibility to (laughs) to uh, force them to grow. Uh, uh, So I would say have the conversation with them, try and push them in a good direction. And if if that's not working, then maybe maybe they have to be comfortable with the fact that you don't want to hang out with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd say. I agree. (laughs) I mean, but, but the question really is how does this person do this camping trip or does, do you exclude her? Do you, cause I'm trying to think of the solution for that. And that's where I, I mean, frankly, I'm kind of stuck too, because like you said, Shane, it's very situational. It's hard to really read into this because I have a lot of friends who are a little bit racist and a little bit homophobic, and I'm still friends with them. And I'm not saying that uh, I'm friends with them because of their values. I'm I, I just I just value them as people themselves, and I try to keep them around and try to you know educate them with what I can. But it's not something that um, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to cut ties with everybody because of their belief system. Because frankly, I have a different value system than Katie and Shane and Ryan. Like we're, I think a lot of it is on a spectrum. But if this person is like outwardly judgmental, it's really hard to say. It's hard for me to uh, read into this because my initial reaction is to try to be as understanding as possible to this person and to at least have a conversation like Shane was saying. Um, and it would be mean to exclude her because it would be targeted uh, at her specifically. But um, the way to get ahead of that is all you got to do is be super passive aggressive and find a camping spot that only allows seven people. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. No, don't. There yeah, don't do it. No, no, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I would the, just the, say. The, you probably want to have the conversation before the camping trip. Yes. Yeah. Ideally. I w- to talk to the person directly. I think that's the only way to have to do it um, and to like do it respectfully. And honestly, it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. And they may hate you forever, but it seems like you don't really care what they think about you anyway. So uh, just just have the hard conversation. But when you do, don't come across it as I am judging you for your judgmentalness. It's more like, hey, I'm going to do this out of like, you know, because I care about you as a person, even though I don't believe everything you believe. I want you to change and I want you to grow. And having that posture of patience is better and will come across a lot cleaner and, and maybe she won't be so defensive about her thoughts. It's a tough one. Yeah. It's yeah. Tough one. And I mean, 
if she ends up saying like, you know, that you're attacking her, that you're being unfair, then then contact who's closest with you out of that group and invite them on a camping trip. And if she gets pissed about it, like Steven said, who cares? You don't, you, you tried your best and go, you know, go enjoy yourself. And, but, but yes. I do think, you know, and, and, and I guess to be clear, you don't owe it to anybody like Shane said to make mm -hmm. her better. You mm -hmm. could just invite the seven or whatever on a camping trip and just go and she'd be pissed. But if you're saying you don't like her anyway, then it doesn't matter. But, you know, in this day and age with all of the bullshit that's going on, you know, if you're in a position where you're, you feel like you're equipped to maybe try and help them and try and educate them and make them see how opinions they hold are, are destructive to people that they may care about, then I say you do it because I say everybody should do it because that's, that's, you know, not having those conversations is kind of why we are where we are. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I have some advice on how to handle those situations. When your friend says something that is racist or homophobic or just plain out wrong, you just simply ask them, what do you mean by that? Try to dig into the root of what they're saying, because then you're putting them on the spot for their dumb behaviors and finding out, and they're going to find out for themselves that they are a racist, homophobic person, and they're going to hopefully like like you're turning it on to them. The responsibility uh, does not is not is not yours. As yeah, yeah. People, I feel like largely believe what they believe because they feel like it's in the best interest of the people they care about, right? Which yeah, probably, is usually yeah. mostly it's usually mostly themselves, and then a lot of times it's like their close network and. If this person's friends with people in your friend group and they find out the beliefs that they have are, are hurtful to the people that they care about, then you'd, you'd want to believe, you'd hope to believe that they would want to change that, you know, and uh, making people realize that, that opinions and values that they have hurt people that they care about usually to me is the most illuminating thing that people can learn. And, and, and themselves. A lot of people hold beliefs that are hurtful to themselves, too. And, you know, you look, you can't be... You, the older you get, you'll just start shaving off friends left and right. <laughs> what is friendship anyway? You're all going to end up in the ground. So, uh, yeah, there's no friends uh, in the afterlife. <laughs> I thought you were going to say just like shaving left and right. Just because you shaved no. today. Yeah. I I could have I could have said I am, that I am saddened by the thought that we do shave friends over time. I, there's some people in my life who I'm very sad to have lost touch with. Uh, yeah, but then you like you're job. but then you're whittling it down into the you know the the friends that really matter. Cream you know? of the crop. Yeah, you're you're carving the statue of David, chiseling it's, it out of uh, whatever the hell it's, it's chiseled out of. Proximity, actually. Yeah, that has. I mean, I'm that, I don't know. I'm still really good friends with most of my friends in Chicago. I don't know how you do it. I, it's hard to keep up with my friends in Ohio. Maybe you guys aren't good friends. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's aggressive. Probably true, though. <laughs> no, we are. It's just, it's just distance. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, it is. It's sad. But, uh, yeah, you know, 
I, I used to look at my parents and, because they have, you know, friends that they're like very close to, but it's a pretty small group. And I remember looking at them and like when I was in school and be like, wow, they have no friends. How sad for them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like they're they're happy. Like they, they they people they stay in touch with are the people they give a shit about. Yeah. So man, this reminds me of a I just have a one quick anecdote from college. Sure. And I love we got the Stephen anecdote. Yeah. Let's, I had let's a friend. Go. Yeah. Uh, he used to work out a lot. Worked out all the time. Is and then he'd come Ryan? over. Are we just talking about Ryan? You're just talking about Ryan. Was Ryan. he was he chugging muscle tech? He actually <laughs> was. Uh, but this is not Ryan. This Don't is worry. Ryan. Don't worry, okay. Ryan. It's not you. And he'd come over after the, like, I'm you not, know. Just, I'm telling you, there's cases and cases of muscle tech. Yeah, I've, never I've, been I've seen apartment. it. That powder? Like you can't. It's everywhere. It's like a labyrinth in there. Yeah. Uh, but sorry, Steve. Anyway, so the friend, he, he'd come over after because I had um, kind of like a big apartment. Um, we had like five people living there. And so he'd just hang out with us. And he always smelled so bad, like just the worst BO. Um, and yeah. I never told him that he smelled bad. He didn't know it himself because if he knew, he would have taken a shower or something. And you know what? I regret not bringing it up uh, because he he didn't know. And everybody else knew. He was knew. a smelly guy. I don't think so. And, and nobody wanted to tell him because they were just like, this is kind of rude. We're not going to tell him that he's a super smelly guy and yeah. needs to take a shower every day, especially after he goes to the gym. And for the whole year, he just smelled like the most gnarly wet laundry I have ever experienced in my life. Um, and trust me, I don't have BO, so I don't know what BO is like, but I know from that experience. <laughs> kind of like this friend here, you just got to tell this person, you know, Tell them what's going on. They probably have a stanky odor, their personality. Sure. Yeah. And share it with them. <laughs> Not because you're trying to be rude, but because you're, you you want to do the best for them. So don't be like me in college and ign- ignore the problem. Because I could have had a great college experience if I just told this person to shower. Yes, but you would not have escorted them into the shower and scrubbed them down. Definitely with soap. not. That is up to them. See how? Yeah, see what I'm doing here? Wow! Yeah, Thank you're you. forwarding the metaphor. I love it. Yeah, in yeah. an effective way. It's up to you to tell someone they stink, and it's up to them to hop their ass into the shower <laughs> and scrub themselves down with some Axe body wash. Well, uh, I hope you've enjoyed. Uh, our advice today, Katie. I'd like to thank you once again for filling in for for uh, Beef Boy. Uh, yeah, we missed him. We missed yeah. him, but I had fun. Yeah, we did have fun. Uh, if you would like to submit questions for a future episode, as we said up top, send them on over to hwydpod at gmail.com. If you've got mm-hmm. an update about uh, advice we gave, send an email over there with the word update in the subject, uh, or, or or swing by patreon.com slash watcher we're over there too uh anything else guys no that sounds good stay safe be happy yeah take a shower yeah take a shower all right bye everybody